welcome to everybody to that podcast with Sammy Rye. I am joined by my good friend Anthony Wheeler, and it is finally time for the Matrix podcast, right? We've been talking about this for a few weeks. I mentioned this on the podcast recently that we're going to sit down and go over the fourth Matrix trailer. Um, and not only just that, but kind of touch back and look at all the Matrix. Um, are you there, Anthony? Can you hear me? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you, man. Glad to have you. I've been looking forward to this now for a few weeks. Uh, really excited about it, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I finally, like you said, glad to be finally be able to make it. Um, definitely on my part, delaying, delaying, delaying. But it was one of those things. Like I, I didn't want to just jump right in off the hype. Yeah. I wanted to kind of do a little more research with it, I guess, you know, and also go back and revisit, you know, the Matrix movies, which I was able to do with the first two. And I really uh, you know, refresh a lot, but also shed a lot of light for things on me or things for me on the, uh, those movies. Yeah, man. I did the same thing. When I saw the fourth trailer, you know, I've been worried. I've heard about the making the fourth movie for a long time, and I've been worried not knowing what it was going to be like. I couldn't even picture what a fourth Matrix would even be like because um, those movies were so big and they were so revolutionary at their time. But, um, yeah, man, after seeing the trailer, I was blown away. I think you were, too. And it kind of reignited our passion, I think, for that. We got talking about it. And we're like, yeah, we got to do a podcast about this. I think people would like to hear us kind of reminisce and go over everything The Matrix was to us. If they saw it and if they never heard about it, maybe that might get them excited about The Matrix. Definitely. And it's one of those things, like you said, like it just really, you know, ignited that passion for us. Because it just it really, you know, spotlight how big The Matrix was. And I kind of forgot, you know, like we live in a society now where everything is like so fast and move on to the next thing. But I remember, you know, like the first Matrix, like hearing about that in school. I think I was like in sixth grade when it came out. Yeah. And a couple people was talking about it. And I think I seen it, you know, like probably after like a month of it being out. And people were saying like, oh, it's so good and it's so different. But also like people that were saying, were saying that to me was like people that was into like, you know, martial arts uh, films and martial arts. So I was kind of like, I don't know, like I'm not really into it, but like when you watch it, it was just so like, it was just so different from everything else. Yeah. In a way that was just like, like, hold on, this is Hollywood big budget, but this is also like a blending of like martial arts. And it, it's just, it's crazy to me. Like when you see the fourth one, like you said, like we've been hearing about it forever and it's like, what can they do? But at the same time, it's like, I guess I had all this time to cook up all these ideas and let stuff just brew and, and, and come together and, and really take their time because there was no pressure to make it. They could have never came out with another one and we'd have just been fine with the three, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the reason, you know, that the people don't talk about the Matrix as much as they should, I think is the third one was really divisive. I think people I think everyone kind of universally loved the first one. And you said it, it broke barriers. It was very different. Um, everyone thought it was awesome. And the second one, I think, was pretty cool. They went into a new realm and a new space, better special effects, higher budget. And they really started exposing people to some new things. Um, and in the third one, I think when they really started to drive home the message, people got really divided. You know, um, the architect scene was infamous for some people. Some people liked it. Some people did not like it. Um, and then how the whole thing ended. Some people liked it. Some people did not like it. Um, and I think that it 
you know, it opened up a lot of doors and changed Hollywood. And I think Hollywood also learned from the Matrix and didn't make those same mistakes. So other franchises came along and they've been able to be more successful, I think, because some of the, I would say, the missteps possibly or just some of the more artistic things the Matrix tried, which was awesome. They're being, you know, artistic and creative. Now I think people took their business model and they really refined it into a well-oiled machine with maybe it doesn't have as much creativity. Um, but... You know, they're definitely doing that whole multimedia franchise, which was a term I first heard from The Matrix. You know, them doing not only movies, but they did video games. They did anime DVDs that also tied into the main story. Um, no one had ever done that before. There was never a video game that tied into the story for the movie or a comic book and a book. Like books being movies, you, you have a book made into a movie, but having a book that you had to read or you should read that actually was a part of the storyline from the movie, that was more rare. Uh, video games, never. Um, anime, never. And they had they had made everything a multimedia franchise. I mean, it wasn't just a movie franchise. Um, and you see nowadays, it's common. Marvel does it. Disney does it with Star Wars. Everyone does it now. Um, but The Matrix kind of started it and then quietly went away. And I feel like people don't really give them the props they deserve. I totally agree. And it's one of those things, like you said, like this the way they had the multimedia different you know, outlets they came that came from that. It's like when you go back and look at this stuff, you, you forget about it, but then you start like multiple video games, the comics, like you know, it's, Jesus Christ, they were so ahead of their time. And it's like one of those things, like yeah. I feel like I feel like the Matrix came out at the proper time because it came out in a time where the internet was kind of bubbling in a way where it was like we had access to it, but it's not as accessible as it is today. And yeah. the legend of it just grew, you know, like it grew, it grew, it grew. Like, you know, you go, you went to the movies and you watched stuff like back in, you know, it wasn't like, it, was, it wasn't direct to video. Like they had direct to video, but that just wasn't what it was, what it is now. I yeah. feel like if the Matrix was to come out now, it would probably, it would, it would be well received just because how good it is. But it just wouldn't be appreciated. I feel like, like it should have been like, it should like, yeah. like it did become, I guess. And that's the thing. Like when you watch it, it's just like, it's so good, but I will admit, and it's something I was, I think I texted you about it or I said it on Twitter or something. There is so much about the matrix that I do not know, even though I love the movies. Like yeah. I love the first two so much, but part of me only remembers the, the train scene. I think it is from the first, I mean, the third one. I think okay. it's like the opening scene or something. Like, I don't know why my brain just cannot, like, like, it just cannot, like, you know, muster up the thoughts of whatever else happened in the rest of that movie. I don't know why. It's so weird because I'm stressed all the multiple times. But in my head, the second one is where it stopped at. And I'm like, that can't be good. Like, why is that? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've lost friendships over the Matrix, right? Like, I was such a diehard Matrix fan. I had, I got an argument one time. You were. Why I had claimed um, the Matrix was the greatest trilogy ever, and a Lord of the Rings fan got into a heated argument with me on social media, and they never talked to me ever again because uh, I was sticking to my guns at the time, and I probably was maybe a little overstating at the time, but I was so into it. So, like, I, I know what you're talking about though, because as much as I love those movies. I love the stories. I played, I think, all the games. I think I've read almost everything. 
Um, there was there's memorable scenes. There's iconic scenes. A lot of them in the first one, some in the second one, and the third one really got into the psychology. And there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of scenes where people are less they're a bit less memorable because they're explaining so much. And there are still some iconic scenes. I think it ends on the brawly brawl when him and Smith are fighting and they go into the sky. That is kind of an iconic scene from the Matrix. But up until then, there's like probably two hours of talking. Um, it feels like at least it was two hours of talking. And that, like you said, that's probably not good. And I don't think people expected that. Uh, I mean, I was all for it. But looking back, when I show it to people, I do feel like people who never seen it kind of start to kind of not get it in the third one. And it also helped, too, that I was also playing the games, watching the animes. So when I was watching the third one, I was excited about a lot of details. I think what they did was they kind of made some of that stuff required viewing. Like, they kind of were requiring you to play the video game mm. to appreciate everything. They were requiring you to do the other things. What Disney and Marvel and other companies have learned is you can have other things, but it can't be required viewing. Um, you still yeah. have to make the movie the number one thing and make sure everything's in that movie. Um, and, you know, I know creatively the Wachowskis went on to do other things. They did Speed Racer, V for Vendetta, uh, Juniper Ascending. They didn't want, I don't even think they wanted to keep doing more Matrix stuff, so they were fine with it. But now you see Marvel and those guys doing movie franchises for 10, 20 years, and they're, they're never going to stop. But I definitely believe that, the, you know, the Wachowskis and Warner Brothers created that formula, and then they went, they already were breaking ground, right? They went off to do their own thing, and now, like, the rest of Hollywood, I feel like, is completely taken that and made it into a, a never-ending machine. Like, I feel like Marvel movies will never end at this point. Yeah, it's, it's something that Marvel has figured out a way to kind of keep it going especially with that that universe with all those characters like it just seems like at this point marvel can't miss all they gotta do is just roll one out just give us a flash of one and then next thing you know give us a little backstory and boom they got like you know another year or two they can pump out more characters but like the, the point about the matrix like i feel like first i don't know if it's the greatest trilogy but i definitely feel like keanu reeves is the king of sequels and you know like trilogy <laughs> Yeah, like th that guy. Like I don't care what no one says. I don't think there's anyone doing like hitting that high of an average. You think about the John Wick films, and then you think about the Matrix. Like all six of those films were essentially, I want to say better. Than, well, I feel like the Wick films are definitely better than the last, but they're all so good. Like yeah. they're all just so good, and it's like for one person to be able to do that, like that's that's impressive to me. Um, yeah, and also, it's all on his shoulders too, like you're saying. Yeah, and it's like. He's a star, but we don't really talk about him the way we talk about like the Leos and you know the uh Pitts and all those guys. But I feel like he's just as up there, he's been around just as long, he has just as many memorable films, he has a little bit of everything as far as you know, a range of you know, serious stuff, comedy stuff, action. But it's like we just don't like it's just kind of like, oh yeah, it's just you know, like oh like we're always excited for a Keanu Reeves movie, but it's never like anyone's like on the bottom line about being better than you know any of the other Hollywood actors. I know what you mean. Yeah, and he comes from an interesting place because I remember before he did those movies, he would be one of those actors, kind of like that people sometimes would bring up and say like that they're not really actors because they're always themselves. Like you have like a Johnny Depp character who plays, he's a character actor. He does all these weird characters and is winning all these awards. I don't know if, if you know, like say Keanu's being nominated for best actor and all those kind of things. But I think everyone loves him. 
um, you know, he has great movies like Speed, Constantine, all these other things he did that were hits. It's kind of all on him. And then he goes and does The Matrix. It's all on him. And then he does John Wick. It's on him. He's the guy. Well, like, I would think people probably might say, like, when it comes to franchises, you got Robert Downey, right? Like, he's Iron Man. Um, and Robert Downey is amazing. I love Robert Downey. But he does have the whole Marvel machine, making movies when he's not making movies, kind of driving that whole thing forward. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to say one person is the one guy, but I definitely feel like Keanu has to do it. Like, when you're watching John Wick, he's the, he's showing up and he has to carry that whole thing on his back. And there's other actors that are helping, of course. But what I'm saying is that, you know, if, if Robert Downey says, I don't want to make Marvel movies, they're going to keep making Marvel movies. If John Wick stops making John Wick movies, if Keanu stops doing it, it's, it stops, right? And it seemed like for The Matrix, that might have been the thing to stop, too. I don't know if it was the directors, if the Wachowskis wanted to stop it. But if they stop, it goes away. Um, and in the fourth Matrix trailer, I think that maybe, you know, you say, why make a fourth Matrix? I would think maybe Warner Brothers wants to kick that off into its own universe. I feel like there's other people they're featuring, new actors they're featuring in the trailer. So maybe they're trying to go that Marvel formula and they would like to also have that, you know, billion dollar baby they could roll out every two years. Um, I don't know if that's what Warner Brothers is doing it for. I, I've heard there's two other Matrix movies being developed, and they're not being developed by the Wachowskis, but I've heard that rumor for a while, so I don't know if it's true. But maybe they're trying to do that, where they're going to spin you know, spin the Matrix off into a universe that has lots of people. But definitely they knew they couldn't do it without getting Encounter to come back and do the fourth one, right? He has to come I, back to kick it off again. I definitely agree with that, because it's like, like you said, like he's there's other people along the way, but it's like he's the one that's there. Like he's carrying it kind of, and he's kind of like the face of it. And it's like, it's so fucking awesome. Cause like, that's another thing like with the matrix. Like, I feel like there's always been like rumors and conspiracy theories about like, you know, that whole franchise. And I, one of the things I remember hearing early on, it may have been true that they offered that role to Will Smith or something like that. And he said, he yeah. didn't understand the role. So he turned it down. And yeah, like, true. I feel like, yeah. So it's like, I was watching it the other day, maybe yesterday or the day before, and I'm watching a scene where Morpheus is fighting uh, the agent on top of the tra tractor trailer. And it's, like, so good. But it's like, this is fucking Lawrence Fishburne. And then I'm starting to think, I'm like, who else was offered this role? And it's like, I started thinking about all the other characters. I'm like, I feel like they got the casting right so good. Like, the casting is so perfect for everyone that's on there. But it's just like, now I'm just curious to see who else was offered, because I feel like Everyone on Earth, just, it just fits so well. Like, they got some known faces, but some unknown faces, in my opinion. Uh, people that's just, like, really good actors. And it's just, like, this is, like, this is fucking great. Like, this is great. Like, it's, 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 it's so good, man. It's one of those things I feel like you can literally go online and start reading about one thing, and then it'll lead you down a rabbit hole for something else, and something else, and something else, and something else. Like, I feel like the whole, the, uh, the key master, I think that's who he is. Yeah, I feel like that's a perfect analogy for the Matrix. Like, there's so many doors. Like, it's so yeah. much. I think there's a lot of different things that they that they could have done with it. I remember they had a Matrix online game where you got to go in and you you would be like a person getting unplugged, and it was supposed to be like after the movies, right? And which I don't think they they when they originally announced it, they were saying like this is canon. The Wachowskis okayed it. This is what officially happened. I don't know if they're still going with that. I, I mean, I don't know what part four is going to be about. But in the uh, Matrix Online, I think Morpheus dies at some point. Um, I think um, 
at some point there's like pieces of Neo that people were finding, like code everywhere. And supposedly the Wachowskis were like okay with it. They would they didn't write it, but they basically told them, like, we know what your story's gonna be, that we're okay with that story. So playing the Matrix online, thinking that this was gonna be like the future of the Matrix, it didn't work out. The game wasn't very successful. Um, but they tried all these these things where you were going around this universe and it was a big world, it felt like it felt like you could go different places and do different things. And then people didn't get to see that if you didn't see the movies. So when it died, it was sad as a player putting time into it and then wondering, does this story matter? Because not that many people played this, where the Matrix was seen by most people, it felt it seems like at least. So I wonder, like in four, are they gonna make that part of the story matter? Would that be too hard for the audience to assume they know all that? Or are they gonna do the Marvel thing? And be like, yeah, that doesn't really matter. We're going to actually say part three is all that matters and kind of skip over it. Because that, would think, would be a clear sign from Warner Brothers if they're like, no, we learned our, from our mistakes. That stuff is extra. It's not required. Because um, Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne, didn't come back for four, supposedly. It sounds like he didn't, unless they're trying to troll everybody. Um, I believe there's a younger actor playing, I guess, a younger version of Morpheus, which I guess is why they didn't need Lawrence Fishburne. Um, but it's it's odd that he's not in the fourth one. And he kind of had a little media thing where he seemed like maybe he might be upset. I'm hoping he's kind of trolling everybody or they're like, you know, trying to trick everyone. I don't know why he's not in it. But um, there's also a thing where on Matrix Online, he died. So... I don't know if maybe that's what there's maybe they were sticking to the story and saying, well, that version of Morpheus is dead is a younger version. I don't really know what they're going to do, but um, it's interesting to see that that's, they did all these things. They tried all these things. Some of it worked, some of it didn't work. And, you know, now we're here looking at the possibility of, uh, maybe it's just a one-off movie, uh, which I guess would be also kind of sad to get everybody excited again for it. You know, those, those fans that are out there. Um, but I don't know. But what's what's a Matrix world without Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne? Can they? Would it be so cool to see Matrix movies with other actors and brand new stories? I even as a hardcore fan, I don't know if I'd want that either. It's it's I'm in a really un, un, weird place when it comes to getting excited for this movie. Yeah, it's it's like you said, like the with the whole. I noticed that in the trailer, like the guy that's, that's I guess he he looks like him, you know, because he got the shaved face, shaved head. That's the actor that's kind of getting a lot of roles. He was in like the candy, he was in Candyman a remake, whatever. So it's like, I get it. They're getting like the young upstart actor, but I was like, I would kind of hope that I still get Lawrence Fishburne in this. Like, he's not like, it's not like I'm rooting for like I'm, I'm clamoring for Lawrence Fishburne. He's my favorite actor or something, but he's essential to the story. So I feel like having him in it will kind of you know do something for me, even if it doesn't really you know, even if this guy's amazing, I still want to see him in there if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't pronounce his name. I'm I'm looking it up now, but I think it's like Yaha <laughs> Abdul Mateen the second. I'm gonna try it. He's officially we'll Morpheus. Yeah, oh and Christina God. Ricci's in it. I love Christina Ricci. I can't believe she's in it. Neil Patrick Harris, he was in a trailer. Um yeah. see, Agent Johnson's back. That's the agent from part three. Um, he's awesome. He's also in John Wick. He's in John Wick two, I think. Um so, I mean, some of the agents will be there. The Marrow Division's back. That's Lambert Wilson. Um, he's the guy who's with Persephone, and he's like, in the Matrix Online, they were the third faction. So you could be with the good guys, which are the resistance, the humans. You'd be with the machines, which are the agents, and you work for them. And the Marrow Division and his gang, which you see in part two and in part three, they have, like, the werewolves. They have the twins that, that you know, they're translucent. They kind of encompassed everything else in the Matrix, and he's back in the fourth one. Um, but yeah, Lawrence Fishburne not coming back. 
I I get you know that they have young Morpheus, but it's just on a personal level, it's sad to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but if, if they're like, yeah, he's dead, I'm like, oh, well, that did happen in Matrix Online, so I guess you guys just stick to that story. I don't know. Another thing I just thought about too that you brought up is like the required viewing part. So like to me, that's interesting because all right, so like Matrix comes out early 2000s, whatever, you know, like people forget like two and three came out the same year, which was like super unheard of for yeah. a film that large to have two movies come out in one year. So it was like that was different right there, but then they'll put like required viewing for all the other stuff when like it kind of makes sense to do it now. Like it made sense then because it created that hype and that buzz around it. But I guess it didn't last because like it just kind of died out. Whereas the people couldn't keep up with it or like the interest wasn't there maybe. I don't know. But like now it almost makes sense to do it now because we have access to the internet so easily. Like it's not like before where you got to like, you know, AOL dial up or some shit. Like now you can literally have access to every single thing if you wanted it. Like you can consume the matrix, like all the stuff you want in like a weekend or something, you know? So it's like, yeah, it makes sense to kind of make that require viewing now. So like even now where they're coming out this fourth one, maybe they are saying, Hey, you got to get this. You got to watch all this. You got to read all this. If you want to get it all, or maybe they'll just be like, like you said, like that's a one, it's a one off and we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Like it's definitely really interesting to see how they play it. And that's something I feel like that's so different and it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of fucking like, you know, I won't say scary, but it, it, it's nerve wracking. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, like I know people now, it's, it's, they said it's a whole different culture. They were so ahead of their time. They understood what the future would be. That's what the Matrix is about. They're 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 looking at that cyberpunk, that futuristic um aspect. They 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 you know, writers in the eighties and the sixties, you know, they wrote those sci-fi books, and they were on top of that, and they really brought that out as a way to look at sci-fi. Because before that, people also forget before that, sci-fi is Star Wars. That's it. It's not leather coats and Ferraris and cool cars. It's only Star Wars. So it's Star Wars and things like Star Wars. That's always sci-fi. And they were the first major million-dollar film. There was like sci-fi actually could happen here on our Earth. This is what our future could really be like. And you guys can interact with it. We all could be in there. It was cool even like they have a line in the first movie where the robots made the Matrix based on the peak of civilization, which was 1999. Now, that's such a good year to pick, right? Right before the millennium. And at the time, we thought, yeah, we're the peak of civilization. But now we're in 2021, and there's new things in the Matrix trailer that show that the Matrix is somehow either evolved or been rebooted to now. So now, like you said, they could do all that stuff where, like, I know I watch the Disney shows for, like, Loki and stuff. And everyone instantly goes online afterwards and watches all the YouTubers talk about it, explain the Easter eggs, explain the comics. You don't have to go out and even buy all that stuff. There's always someone that will bring it to you. You can watch a Twitch streamer tell you, like, the secrets of the, the video games. So even if you don't play the games, there's, there's people are sharing it on Facebook. There's people on TikTok telling you in 30 seconds what you missed. It's so much easier to get that information to people. Where I think they were just like you said, they were so ahead of their time. The internet was not ready for people. People, their habits weren't ready for that, right? Like mom wasn't playing the video games. Now moms kind of play video games. Like this generation, moms go on the internet. They're on their phone all day. They're on social media. None of that existed in 1999. So it's kind of a shame to see that they built all that and they were teasing it, 
And then I feel like, you know, they don't get the respect they deserve, right? Which I, so I hope this episode would do for people. I hope remind people how great it was. And then also maybe people who didn't really know it, maybe encourage them to go back and watch it. And hopefully the, you know, the, the fourth movie gets them more excited for it. Yeah, because, I mean, the previous films hold up. Like, oh, yeah. I, the one thing I do notice that, like, it's funny to me, I guess from, like, I guess, like, you know, as things evolve, like films and shows, like, I definitely noticed that, like, I prefer to watch TV shows over movies now. Like, I don't know when that switch happened, but it's really weird to me. Like, I really prefer a drawn-out story, I guess you would say, over, like, you know, the two, three-hour film. Um, yeah. I'm not sure why, but it's just, like, how I guess I'm programmed from the Netflix era. Another thing I noticed, which is, like, I don't know, like, when I was watching that first one, like, the second one, not so much, but, like, I guess that four-year gap between two and, uh, one and two, one feels like a giant set to me. Like, it's, like, man-made set. Whereas, though, like, you'll see certain scenes, and it's like, oh, this doesn't like a real place at all. But then you watch two, even the whole, like, space stuff, it's kind of like, it doesn't seem like a set almost, crazy as that sounds. Like, uh-huh. I feel like they, they went somewhere and shot on location, whereas, though, like, the first one just feels like they created this and some giant like studio in Hollywood. Yeah. And I, I just think that's the evolution of like how they were ahead of it. Cause I feel like now when you watch stuff, nothing feels like a set anymore anymore. You know, like yeah. I don't, it, I don't, it's it's crazy. Like I just feel like the Matrix really, you know, revolution so much stuff, you know, way way we watch film and things like that, and the way that films are made. Yeah, I mean, in, in part two, on, on the highway scene, they built that highway in a real city. It's not a highway anymore. They built that for that scene because in the first one, they actually used the sets from a movie called Dark City. So Dark City, um, they had that film. That had Keith Sutherland. That's a movie that they made, and the sets were still up. So when the Wachowskis came to make The Matrix, Warner Brothers didn't want to give them a lot of money. I think they had 40 or 50 million. I think they actually had like 25 million and convinced them to give them some more as they were shooting. But they reused this set from Dark City because they were still up and they didn't have to build them. So that was them trying to save money. And then this, after it was a huge smash hit, um, Warner Brothers gave them a bunch of money. And then they went kind of crazy in part two. They had a lot more CGI they could use to make the places seem bigger. And in some places, they went to different locations like you're talking about. Um, and like the highway, for example, that was infamous at the time. I remember watching TV. And they're like, yeah, they let the Wachowskis build a highway to, to shoot some scene. And I was like, what? Like, I had never heard of that. Now, they do it all the time. Like, I know in um, Black Panther, the final showdown of Wakanda was at, it was in, actually filmed in Atlanta, Georgia, on some farms. So they actually built like a fake Wakanda on a bunch of farms and were burning down grass and doing all this stuff. It's common. I'm sorry about that. The audio podcast dropped out for a second. Before we get back with Anthony and continue on my point that I was making about the Black Panther movie, we're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with that podcast, Samurai. Can you hear me? Yep. I no problem. Yeah, it dropped out. Well, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That could be a commercial break, right? I mean, the last thing I was gonna say about that was, yeah, is how in in you know Black Panther they 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 filmed in Georgia. They built the whole battle scene there, and people do it all the time now. They're constantly going around the world shooting these things, and those movies. You know, we know now those movies make money too. So like, they were surprised the Matrix made so much money. 
and then two and three, even if people don't have, they had mixed reviews about three, they made a bunch of money. Um, and I'm sure four will make a bunch of money. And those Marvel movies and stuff, now they always make money, right? It's almost, they never like completely fail because they, 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 they got the formula so perfect. But the Wachowskis were figuring that stuff out with Warner Brothers at the time. They were, they were kind of blazing a whole new trail. And um, yeah, and it's, it's a crazy that that's the standard now, but it wasn't always the standard before. Let me ask you this, because like I do feel like you're like the foremost like Matrix expert, um, at least the per- like that I know of. It's the nicest thing you ever Matrix, said to me. And what is it about? <laughs> <laughs> what do you I'm mean, sorry. like the, the 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 program, or like what do you mean exactly by what the Matrix is? What's the Matrix? So like, what are the movies about, and what is the Matrix? Because I feel like I know, but I don't know. Okay, that's interesting. That's, an that's interesting the thing. Question. I was like, when I was watching it. Yeah, because I feel like I, I feel like it's you know how people sometimes say like oh it's a book you should read multiple times or it's a show you should watch a second time you can you can pick up so much stuff. I feel like you can watch the Matrix as many times as you want, and like unless you're getting all the other stuff like all the other media stuff, you're going to miss shit in the movies. And like even off the movies, it's just so got to figure it all out. That's why I'm like I'm watching it and I'm like this this seems like like what am I missing here? Like I'm like, what well, am I missing? I'm I'm missing something. You know, that's a good point, right? Because when I'm talking to someone about the Matrix, I always assume they're thinking about the same thing I'm thinking about. Got a chance to talk to me, too many people about it, so I can understand. Like, if I'm assuming that someone doesn't know about the Matrix, and I, and I know you know about it, but I'm, if I assume like no one knows anything, I'm explaining to a listener on the podcast what is the Matrix. So, and, and you let me know if I miss anything or if whatever, right? But what, what the Matrix is, the the Matrix itself is a computer program. It's a video game. It's a virtual reality world that all humans live in. They sleep. They, they, they were physically in the world, in the real world, in pods. And machines were using humans' bioenergy, the energy we create in our own bodies, to fuel themselves. They had to do that because when we had a war with the machines, we blocked the sun by setting off a bomb that pretty much created a big smoke cloud over Earth and blocked the sun because the robots were solar powered. And we thought that's how we would win the war. We didn't win the war. They fixed themselves and they, they upgraded themselves to, to evolve off of batteries. But to have an abundant power source, they had to enslave humans. So they created those fields that you see in part one, those orange tubes. Those are all people being born and created now for the simple purpose of being the thing that fuels the machine, right? So when Keanu was Keanu's character, Neo, he's born in that tube. He's never, ever walked around on physical Earth. Um, he's raised. He's not even raised. He's, he's sleeping there. But they can't keep humans' minds asleep forever. So people tried to wake up, and they would eventually wake up and find themselves in the pods, and they would have to kill them because after they woke up and realized they were in a fake world, they couldn't put them back into the fake world, which is the virtual reality thing called the Matrix. So when that's what the Matrix is. It's a form of control. It's a program. It's supposed to be the like not a perfect world. Which they get into later in the films, they find out humans didn't like perfect worlds. The machines first made versions of the Matrix that were perfect. And humans realized that perfect worlds were fake and they would still wake up. So they had to make a world with uh, that was reality, had pain, had suffering. And they based it off of 1999 society. And everything that was in that world was in the Matrix. So the fun thing as a viewer is back in 1999, you're watching a movie 
and you could feel like maybe you're in the matrix because the setting isn't, you know, long, long time ago in a galaxy far away like Star Wars. The setting isn't, you know, Wakanda, which is a fictional place. The setting supposedly is the city that you're in. They, they, they call it, they'll call it just the city. They don't name which city it is. And they're really yeah, clever in their that. writing because it felt real. It felt like maybe we we're in the matrix. And that's, and that's what it is from a technical standpoint. When you say what the movies mean, the movies are a metaphor for life. We are born and raised in a society where we kind of fuel the machine, big corporations. We work for these people. We live to make these things keep going. And we're all a part of the thing that we're fed. You know, you should do this, go to school, grow up, get a job, get married, die, you know, pay your taxes. But some people, not all, some people wake yeah, up and realize there's die. more to life than that. Once they wake up, <laughs> I, I don't know, probably, I, you owe stuff, someone's got to pay it. But yeah, yeah like man. in real life, people wake up, and once they wake up, they're by themselves, and that machine targets them and tries to take them out. Um, and that's the metaphor where there are people who are awake, who are trying to wake up other people and kind of free their minds from the whole thing. So it's expertly done, I think, when it comes to they create a whole fictional story that, that you can watch. But there's a subtext there where this talking about, you know, people in real life, they're, they're, they're living a life a certain kind of way, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I don't know how much of that went into their writing, but the Wachowski brothers, now known as the Wachowskis, they both were transgender. At the time, they, they were identifying as male. They've transitioned into female since then. And they've gone to make some other shows to kind of talk more about that. I think that freeing of your mind, freeing of concepts that you know, are kind of put on you, right? Um, which I didn't know at the time. No one knew at the time. But if you look at it that way, I think that's them expressing there's a lot of other ways you can live life. And it's crazy because 2021, the world is very different. People are way more open-minded. A lot more things are happening nowadays that weren't happening in 1989. And um, I, I can't credit The Matrix for doing that. But I definitely think they were trying to show that there were people out there trying to you know, change people's minds. And over the next 20 years, minds did change. The world is a lot more accepting um, and different than it was before, which is going to be interesting to see. What's the Matrix for about that? You know, I feel like it's going to be probably uh, an example of our current world. But what other commentaries do they have about what we're living through now? They probably still have more commentaries. So that's to me. That You tell me if that's what you're asking or if, if I hit things or if you're, there's still questions. That's what I would say to somebody who's never heard about the Matrix. What do you think? No, I think that's good because that's kind of where I had it at. Like I, mm-hmm. where I thought it was, and it was one of those things. Like I enjoyed the movie so much, I enjoyed the franchise so much, but I can tell it's like so much I don't know. But I kind of, I, I feel like that's along the lines of what I thought it was, and it was like, all right, so I'm, I'm right there. My only, like, I guess, big question was, it was like, how do you know which one is real? Like, how do you know, you know, like, how do you know which one is, you know, the real world and which one is the Matrix, aside from what they're telling me. And that's when I was kind of like, oh, see, this is so cool, man. Like, I don't know. I got to talk a little about this. I got to really, you know, watch a little bit more and, and yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting concept, right? Because in the architect scene in part three, 
when he explains it, and this is spoiler warning for anyone who didn't see the first three movies, right? But when arguing, if they, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's been twenty years. The spoiler, the spoiler yeah, embargo, embargo is lifted, right? Um, don't yeah. don't click on the podcast about the, the the Matrix franchise if you if you know you didn't you didn't hear it. But well, if I have to throw that out there, but in part three they explain that even Neo is a form of control. So. They they've thought of everything, and this is kind of this speaks to like the real life revolutionary too. So the architect explains in that scene is that they realized even with their the society they built based on 1999 and everything that they're doing. Hold on real quick, huh? Okay, in a little bit, my daughter's asking me for coming bears. Um, so it, they explain in the architect scene that there's um a system they have in place is a fail safe. They always realized that in the Matrix, if you make all these people, eventually there'll be a leftover remainder from that math equation that's going to be a person that's able to manipulate the Matrix. This is like a computer programmer. He's going to understand the world is fake. He's going to be able to change the code in the Matrix, and they can't get him out of the formula. They don't know how to do a perfect math formula. There's always like some kind of remainder there will be. That remainder is Neo. It's a person eventually born that's able to see through the Matrix and manipulate it in a way that no one else could. So instead of trying to kill him and destroy him and figure out what to do, they decided to make another control system outside of the system. Whereas they would wake up a few humans, they would let those humans back onto the real world, which is Earth, where you're walking around that you know horrible Earth. They built Zion for those few humans, and those humans think that they're living there like on their own. And they're going to keep looking. Eventually, they find Neo. They wake him up. And then when Neo's job is, that he has to restart the Matrix. So every Neo that came before Neo, every Counter Reeves that came before Counter Reeves is presented with a choice whenever he finally reaches the Architect to take six or 12 humans, something like that, and start the next Matrix. They offered a choice to, you know, take your six, there's your 12 humans, go back into the new Matrix we're going to make. And if you don't do that, all the, we had to kill all the humans because once you guys rise up against us, we're just going to kill you again. And supposedly, based on what the architect's saying, all the Neos always did it. All the Neos submitted and gave in and lead his 12 people into the next Matrix. And the movie we see, Keanu Reeves' character, that version of Neo, says no, because he loves Trinity. And that's the thing that's different. The other Neos didn't have Trinity. So he loves Trinity. He thinks he can still save her. So he does not take the 12 humans. And he goes and he basically destroys the Matrix. Um, and that's the end of the story. To me, that's a metaphor for the revolutionary. There are stories we've heard about some of our great leaders that are presented with these really hard choices where people try to somehow control them or get that revolutionary to lead his people into a new place that's not necessarily the best thing for them. And unfortunately, some people die in that process or whatever. So that's what that's supposed to be about. The architect scene is a hard scene because they use a lot of big words and he's, there's a lot of – he's supposed to be a computer, so he talks like a computer. And again, I think this stuff sometimes is too difficult to ask people, at least in one viewing, to grasp all of the stuff being thrown at them. It's also like a 15-minute scene, I feel like. It's a long conversation. Um, yeah. But that's what the idea is, is that even Neo, even Morpheus is part of the system. He doesn't realize that by him freeing revolutionaries, they've already thought of that. And they've already had a contingency plan. So in the movie, he Neo does what he does. 
now the question still is, you know, when you're watching the movies, Earth is all the dead places, all the ugly looking places, Zion, which is like where they live. That's supposedly the real world. But there's a scene in The Matrix Part 2, which they never really explained that well, where the squids are coming to kill them. The robots are coming to kill Neo in the real world, where you see the plug on the back of his head and everything. And somehow he turns off the squids. Now, the movie ends there. Neo goes into a coma. He wakes up in Part 3 in the train station, like you mentioned. Somehow he plugs himself back into The Matrix Wi-Fi-like, right? Like, people don't even realize Wi-Fi wasn't even a big big thing when Part 2 came out. But somehow he gets into the Matrix without being connected to it. So there are people who think that even the real world is another Matrix, a Matrix within the Matrix, right? There's no way that you can really know. And that's what the movie's kind of talking about in Part 3, that maybe even when you think you're free, you're just a part of another form of control. So I don't know. I don't know if Neo never really and got out. Yeah. And that's my thing. Like when I was watching it yesterday, I seen it and I was like, when he did that, I was like, oh shit. He's able to do, he's able to do super things outside of the matrix. And I was like, are the worlds blending or is something else going on? That made me think like, which one is the real one? Cause that's when I started wondering, I was like, he, like him doing that definitely shows, you know, like he's a little different. Cause that was after he made the decision to save Trinity and all that, you know? So it was kind of like, all right, he's a little different and something else is going on. I know another thing I thought too, which is pretty funny. I think we talked about this before, how like Days of Future Past from X-Men was one of the better, uh, you know, time travel movies. And yeah, watching watching that yesterday when they were being hunted down by, what was they were called Sentinels, right? On there. I was they like, call them, they call isn't them that Wiz, Yeah, for something like that, yeah. Okay, but I was, I was like, essentially, this is like Days of Future Past almost. I was like, yeah. you know, they're 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 going between two different worlds, you know, past and present. Whereas this one is like Matrix and reality, and then they're, like, they're being hunted down on one world while trying to go through this conflict on another world. And I was like, that's so fucking cool. But I was like, that's it. I'm pretty sure it's not an original story, but I'm like, I wonder where that. What was the source for that? Like, what what started that? And then it kind of spawned on all these other ideas to kind of go. I think that's a perfect storyline in those kind of movies. Yeah, I, there's a list of books. Like, if you go on IMDb and you look up the Matrix and trivia, there's a list of books the Wachowskis wanted um, Keanu Reeves to read the way he can understand the film, and he had to read those books. And they're they're old sci-fi books. I don't know them by heart, but you always people always look them up. Uh, and there were some of the first sci-fi writers that were writing a lot of these stories that then eventually people made movies and games out of and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that Days of the Future Past, I think. From a creative standpoint, I, I can't say they did it on purpose, but I wouldn't be surprised, at least from a cine- cinematography place, um, th- if they were able to you know, look at the movies and say, we're going to do it like they did in The Matrix, right? Because they might have done that. They might have tried to look at that and visually do the same thing they did um, because that's something that happens, right? Like you, 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 you get inspired by things. And then you want to make a new movie. And a lot of times people look at older movies and just kind of steal or pay homage and kind of take things from those old movies and put it into their new movie. So definitely I think that's a, a real cool story. And we don't know if, um, you know, if the, is that something that we even are in, right? Like you don't know if, if he's still in a version of The Matrix when he's in the supposed real world. Um, is, is he really out the world? If he is out the world, that would mean genetically he was altered somehow 
right? Like he's born with a different DNA um, than we are, and he actually has real powers in the real world. Again, if that's even what they're saying, it's too much to ask a moviegoer to try to take all these concepts in at one time, right? In one film. And what Marvel yeah. did, they were able to spread that out over 10 years. Like, like Marvel did the same thing where they have a big universe, but you know that magic exists because of Thor. You understand that. It helps you understand Black Panther better when you get to that. You understand Thanos better when you get to him. And in Loki on the TV show, they're even getting into the idea of a multiverse, which is then going to be explained more in Spider-Man, which was also explained in, you know, it, they, they have so much to tell. And the Matrix tried to do it in six hours across three movies. Yeah. Uh, it's just, again, unfortunate. Hopefully they can come back and really build that world out with the next ones. But um, I know we don't have a lot of time left. Definitely give you a chance to respond. And I don't know, man. We might need to do a second episode of this and kind of get more into part three and also the trailer of part four when we think about part four. What, what was your response before I knew you had to go? I think so. Because I think, like, honestly, like you said, there's so much to unpack. And it's honestly one of those things that, like, you definitely got to, like, like you said, it's so much. We could talk about it, but it's like, all right, I want to, I like, I definitely want to see this third one again. I want to check out this trailer. And it's like, I really want to read some more because it's like, there's just so many more questions. I feel like it's like, it, it's just a lot, man. I'm excited. Like, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, man. Looking forward to part four. Um, definitely is interesting what they're going to do. And let's do that. Let's wrap up this podcast. Thank everybody for listening. And we're going to get back together as soon as we can. And we'll do a second episode on this. Um, I don't know. Maybe we have to do a third episode, right? There's so much about the Matrix. And we both have that love for the Matrix. We'll see how much we can talk about it and keep going. Yes. I mean, we're going to probably want to talk about it when the movie comes out, after the movie comes out. It's going to come up a lot. So we'll just have some Matrix episodes sometimes. I, I, I love that. I can talk about the Matrix all day. Get ready, people. Get ready. <laughs> For ongoing, constant thing. Maybe these, if these people like these a lot, maybe we'll do even more of them, right? But I know you had to go. Thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast. And I'll, I'll let you go, man. If you have anything else to throw out there, throw it out there. If not, the Samurai, peace. All right, man. I'll see you. See you guys. Take care. I'm going to hang up now.